0: That's us verse 14. Verse 15 we're looking at. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. I want to challenge you this morning on whose beliefs are right. Um, why do you believe what you believe? Uh, what's the basis of it? Now, the real test of that comes when somebody asks you, well, why do you believe that? How do you know you're right? you mean to say everybody else in the world is wrong and you're right? And you know, when I start throwing thoughts at you like that, you know, you begin to question, don't you? Right? You see, we live in a world that questions everything. Right? And it's not wrong to question things, but you've got to come to answers. You've got to come to solutions moved on Wednesday night about being a double-minded person. A double-minded person really doesn't come to conclusions about anything. And you have to come to conclusions about things. You have to actually come to the place where you sort out your doubts and you put them away and you believe and you trust and you depend on, here is where I stand. See, if you don't stand somewhere solid, what's going to happen is you're going to get knocked down. That's just the reality of it. You need to stand somewhere solid. When it comes to your belief, you need to be in a right place. And you need to be able to articulate. Now, you don't need to be a Bible scholar. And you don't need to have a PhD. But you need to be able to articulate why you stand where you stand. And it can't be, well, everybody's got their own way and this is my way. It just can't be that. You know, you've got to stand where you stand because you think it's right, it's true. And automatically, that means that you're going to say some other things are wrong. Now, that goes against the the grain of our age, and it goes against our grains in some ways too. But we need to come to the place where we say, now, hang on, this is the truth. This is where I stand. And we stand solidly there. One of the problems for our day and age is that we don't think very well. And there are lots of reasons for it, but... we've never had an age where we let people do our thinking for us like we do in this day and age. You know, we let the TV do our thinking for us. We let the internet do our thinking for us. We let all kinds of things do our thinking for us. And, um, you know, we we operate in these little small bites uh, of information without actually thinking things through. And we need to think things through. You see, God gave you a brain. He gave you an ability to think. And he wants you to think things through. But he wants you to come to conclusions. Not just avoid the work of thinking and come to conclusions. He wants you to come to real conclusions. And if you're going to come to a conclusion, you have to have a basis for what you come to, and you have to be able to stand on it. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Now, can you imagine uh, if we were called upon to suffer persecution for our faith? That would be hard, wouldn't it? You know, it wasn't just a case of rolling into church on a Sunday morning and um, praising God and listening to the message and going home to a nice dinner, but the reality is that your faith was now going to cost you potentially your life. Uh, Oftentimes for believers through the ages, all their property has gone uh, because of their their beliefs. That would put you in a different place. You you would not just come to church because, well, everybody goes to church. You would have to have a reason for coming to church. And... Peter is saying to them here, listen, don't be afraid. If you suffer, don't worry about it. But look what he says in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Don't be afraid, but do be ready to give an answer. Don't live in fear of it, but do be ready to give an answer. Have an answer in your heart. Be ready to actually answer to give an answer uh, for what you believe and why you believe it. All right. hey, you're to be ready for it. Next verse, verse 16 says, Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word to us now and help us, Lord, as we look to it, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, we want uh, to, to be biblical thinkers, but Lord, it's difficult in our age. Lord, would you help us? Would you enable us, by your spirit, would you enable the connection to be made and the truth to strike the chord? And Lord, that we would actually uh, turn to biblical thinking and that we would be able to give an answer for the, for the hope that is within us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, as you talk to people about what they believe and why they believe it, <clears throat> there's a wide spectrum of why people believe. Right? Some people believe because that's tradition. How many people have said to me, well, I was born a Catholic, I will, I've lived a Catholic, and I will die a Catholic. Now, what, what, what's that saying? That's saying to me, I refuse to think about this. My mind was made up before I was born, and I refuse to think about this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give, it, give it any queens. That, that's just who I am, what I am. That's, that's not really reasonable for us. We've got to think. We have to think things through. Uh, and sometimes, People would say, some, well, I'm just the kind of person that thinks with my heart. do well, you got for a statement. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty scary statement. You know what the Bible says about your heart? The Bible says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all else. Who can know it? You know, listen, if you are just the kind of person that thinks with your heart, you're going to spend your life doing wrong things and going in the wrong directions. You can't think with your heart. That's, that's not the way. It's, it's kind of op, operating based upon emotion. The emotion of the moment carries me, and I do it. I think with my heart. No, don't think with your heart. You need to think through, you need to understand. <clears throat> Some people believe because they are inspired by somebody who is passionate. It's amazing to me the instances in history where whole nations have backed up somebody's passion. They were just so passionately convinced of it that they convinced everybody else about it. And it's kind of like, you know, almost like what, what happened is they, you know, they, they stopped thinking for a while and they, and, and they just followed. I mean, Hitler leading the German people uh, into what they did in the Second World War is incredible. You know, but what you have there is you have somebody who's passionate about it. And by the way, understand this, passion does carry us. You know, when upon a, a politician gets up and makes a passionate speech, speech, you know what you find yourself thinking? Maybe he's right. Based upon the amount of passion he puts into it. Very little passion in our politics. Uh, but oratory and passion can really inspire us. And you can believe something sometimes just because somebody was passionate about it. There are a whole host of reasons of, of, of why we believe things. But <clears throat> we've got to believe things with a reason. With a Why? Why do we believe? And let me say this to you. And we need to take this, all of us, as from the Lord, right? The the Lord calls us the sheep of his pasture. You know, sheep are not independently clever creatures. Did you know that? That, That's that's not a compliment to our intelligence, right? The sheep of his pastures means basically we need to be led. You know, we we need, and, and we will be led by someone We'll usually be led by someone. And, you know, we've got to be careful that we're actually thinking things through. That we're actually looking at things and saying, well, why? Why do I believe this? Why is this right? And that we're operating on the basis of truth rather than on the basis of tradition, rather than on the basis of feeling, rather than on the basis of somebody else's passionate belief in it, that we're actually thinking it through. Sometimes, you know, we consider that to be hard work, and, and it is but it's a lot less hard work than going the wrong direction because you didn't bother to think about it, right? So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> if we're going to think straight, that there's some things we need to understand. There's some basic things that we need to understand. First of all, we need to bite the bullet on this thought. Absolute, tr- absolute truth does exist. There is right and there is wrong, and you can know it. We live in a fuzzy age. Right? <clears throat> we live in, a, in an age when people will make statements that like, well, there are no absolutes. Now, that's ridiculous, right? They're, they're, they're no absolutes. But the idea is that, you know, listen, what, what's true for you may not necessarily be true what's for what's true for me. What's true for this person over there may not necessarily be true for, for, that, for that person there. But, but, but think of it, there are certain things that are just universally true, aren't there? Two and two is four. Is it ever five? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's never five it's never anything but four now look there may be some deluded persons in the world who think two and two is five listen that's fine but they're wrong it's not five it's four <clears throat> now there are certainly listen is the world flat or round it's, listen it's a sphere right? <clears throat> you know somebody may say well I think the world is flat well that's fine you can believe that but you're wrong You know, it's actually round. Scientifically, it's round. There are lots of things that we accept. Listen, these things are scientifically, they are mathematically, they are proven, they are true. But when it comes to the area of faith, belief, religion, people say, well, no, you can't listen. You can't say that's true because it's not the same truth as somebody else here. And what you've got is you've got a multitude of religions spread throughout the world that see things differently. So the thought is nobody can know the truth now. Now, isn't that a very clever plan of Satan's? Wasn't that very clever? If you spin enough religions off, what will happen is you can tell them, look, nobody knows what's true, so therefore everybody follows their own way, and one way is as good as another way. That's a very clever plan. And by the way, that's where the plan originated. That's where the plan for all those religions originated. But it's not true. You can know truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. There is truth, there is absolute truth available to us. Now, if we accept that there's absolute truth, we have to understand this that religions differ and they can't all be right. Now, some of you precious souls don't like confrontation and you almost want to give off the opinion that, well, you know what? Who's to say whether you're right or wrong? You can't, listen, you have to make a stand. You have to make a stand somewhere. You know, listen, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came from heaven to die on a cross to pay the price for your sin and all the sins of the world, and he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, you know what? There's no other true religion but Christianity. And you say, pastor, that's so arrogant. No, that's not arrogant. Jesus was never arrogant. He was true. He spoke the truth because he loved people, he loved all people, and he wanted all people to come to him. So he laid down truth so that they would know and they would understand. And it's not arrogant for us to repeat what Jesus said and say, listen, this is what Jesus said. Listen, we're not right. We're not the way. We're not the truth. He is. But when we choose to follow him and follow his way, what we've got is we've got truth. Now, it does matter. Truth does matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, somebody can think they're going to go to heaven and they're convinced they're going to go to heaven. And they feel sure they're going to go to heaven. And they wake up every morning feeling they're going to go to heaven. And they can still go to hell. Because there's only one way to go to heaven. That's by depending upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and we've got to accept that in our hearts. Now, we're going to be kind always in the way we approach people and the way we speak to them. But we've got to have it rock solid in our hearts. There's only one way. We're not going to go out and tell them the, the only, there's only one way, and it's our way, because it's not our way. It's Jesus. But we've got to understand, listen, there is only one way. There's no other way around this. And if they don't, and if they continue doing what they're going to do, they're going to be lost and spend eternity in hell. Read this kind of interesting, right? <clears throat> Yellowstone National Park in the U.S. Uh, warns visitors of bear danger. Uh, if you have a surprise encounter with a bear, do not run. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> uh, everything in me says if you meet a bear, you run, right? He's bigger than me, he's stronger than me, and he doesn't look like he likes me. I think I'll run, right? <clears throat> okay, but let, let, let me finish off what it says. Slowly back away. If a bear charges, stand your ground and use your bear spray. It has been highly successful at stopping aggressive behavior in bears. See, knowing and obeying truth is a matter of life and death because you know what? The bear can outrun you. (laughs) He can move faster than you. So if the bear charges you and you run, listen, you're dinner. But if you stand, you present a whole different picture to the bear. You're not prey anymore. And if you spray the spray on him, he will run. So here's here's, here's, here's the thing. Everything in you says run. But they're saying to you, don't. And it's a matter of life and death. You run, you may well die. You stand and you actually do the business with the spray and it's been proven to be highly successful. All right. Now, here's the thing. You've got to go against the natural drive in you to come to the place of truth very often. You've got to go against what feels good. And you've got to understand that. Because here's what happens to us. We get saved, we become believers, and, um, you know, well, we're believers now, we're, we're, we're walking with God, we're depending upon God, but we have in our minds kind of a double thing going on. On the one side, you know, we believe, yeah, well, truth is truth, and I'm going to heaven, and that's it. On the other side, we look at the situation, and we think, yeah, but, but I wonder, can every all these people be wrong? Isn't it very true that sometimes we look at what the mass believes, and we think, well, you know what? Everybody couldn't be wrong. Do you know the whole world believed the world was flat at one point? Galileo, he worked it out that it wasn't flat. Nobody would believe him. They excommunicated him from the Catholic Church because he was a heretic. He was going against the truth of the faith. Interestingly enough, the Bible says that God hung, hung it upon the circle of the earth, indicating that it was a circle. You know, hundreds of years before uh, Christ, But but here's here's the thing. Do you know the crowd can be wrong? They can get it very wrong. Do you know that Jesus said this? He said, Broad is the way that leadeth unto death, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Do you know what he was saying? It was in Matthew chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7. He was saying, listen, few people are going to go to heaven. Most people are going to go to hell. The crowd can and often is wrong. Listen, that's, that's just historically true. The crowd can be wrong. Listen, all the people of Germany thought it was okay to do what they did as far as <clears throat> you know, exterminating anybody that didn't appeal to them as being the, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the right kind of race. Afterwards, they would look back and they would think, how do we do that? How, how do we do What happened to us? Everybody thought it was true, but it was wrong. Listen, the crowd can be wrong. Lots of times the crowd is wrong. Well. You have to understand this, that <clears throat> we have to have absolute truth, understand there's absolute truth, and we can't allow our feeling, the crowd, the passion of somebody else. There has to be a way that we look at it, that we come to the place where, oh, this is the truth. I'm convinced this is the truth, and this is the way it is. You see, it does matter what you believe. So seek truth. Everybody here needs to be a truth seeker. Now I understand, listen, many of you are saved, you're born again, and you know you're going to heaven. But I'm talking about truth for life and truth for life. you need to be a truth seeker. You need to live according to truth. Not according to what you're feeling, not according to what everybody around you live lives like. Uh, not, not according to somebody else's passion. You need to live according to truth. What is the truth? Hey, let me let me say say this to you don't let other people do all your thinking for you. Don't let other people do all your thinking for you. God gave you a brain. He wants you to think. Look, okay, I appreciate the fact that you come to church on a Sunday morning. But the depth of your faith and your belief is, well, that's what pastor says. It's a sorry belief. You need to have some absolute truth behind you. This is why I believe. You know, <clears throat> That Paul said uh, of the Bereans that they were more noble. And here's why they were more noble. They heard what he said, and then they went home and checked it out. They checked it out in the scripture. They looked it up in the scripture and they checked it out. Now, by the way, they didn't go home and ask their pagan friends what they thought. Right? They didn't go home and listen to some other orator and, and see what he... They went home and they checked it out in the scripture. Is it true? The scripture is your basis of truth. And that's our next point. We have, we're going to have absolutes. We have to uh, come to a place where we find it where we, where we would have absolutes. Right? Well, the first absolute we would have is that God exists. That would be an absolute truth, God exists. Now, let me give you some reasons for that, and i give you a lot more reasons. If you want more reasons, come and we'll talk about it later. But, you know, the truth that God exists. First of all, there's a universal innate belief in a higher being. Everywhere you go in the world, people believe in God. A God, weird gods, but they believe in a higher being. Everywhere. That is universal to us. We all believe that. Men all believe that. That's just the way it is. We believe uh, in the fact that there's a God. uh, God. All creation points to an intelligent creator. Now, what that's saying is this, right? Listen, there is design involved in this thing. It didn't happen. If I were to tell you that one Sunday morning, you know, we came out here and uh, all of a sudden, this had happened. Just this room, you know, steel for the frame there and the ceiling and the plaster and the, the lighting and the electrics. and it, it just happened. You'd say, what's he on? Uh, he's, he's got a problem of some kind, right? Because we all know this didn't happen. Somebody, somewhere, sat down and worked out what was going to happen and worked out measurements and plans and details and so on and put it together and then people got together and actually built it and it came together and it happened. Right? Now look, This is only a tiny little 2,000 square foot building. It's very basic. But we know it couldn't have happened by itself. The world is so complex. People, human being is so complex. The universe is so complex. It's impossible to imagine it happened without a designer. I mean, it's honestly, it's verging on the ridiculous. You say, but most everybody in the world doesn't believe that. They're wrong. Common sense says there was a designer. There was somebody who actually put this all together. There was somebody who, 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 who um, designed... You know, one of the things I just discovered recently is that, you know, as far as the planets are concerned, the planets spin in different, different directions. You know that? Now, if it all happened by a big bang, then everything would go out and they'd all spin in the same direction. But they don't. They spin in different directions. You know why? Because there's a, a A designer. You, you look out, and the daffodils are coming up. You know, most of the daffodils were planted. Daffs were planted years ago. There are wild daffs all around the country as well, and they just come. How do they know it's spring? By the way, is it really spring? Uh, but, but you know what? They're coming up anyway. I keep thinking, you know, if the swallows come back in this weather, they'll all die. I, I hope they have enough sense to stay wherever they are for a while longer. You know, and, and come back later. But you know, how do these things all come together? Because there's design in it. Because God designed it. Listen, that makes sense. That's that's reasonable. Uh, Every effect must have a cause. Something happened to it. Something something designed. Every design must have a designer. Nature and the universe uh, contain detailed design. Design is never an accident. God is that wise designer. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God. What's that mean? It means he's trying to convince himself there is no God. But There is. There's a God. There's a designer. All right? Now, if we accept the reality, uh, the absolute that there is a God, and by the way, I don't have to convince you of that. Do you know that? You know that. The Bible doesn't ever try to convince us of the, you know, of the existence of God. It just doesn't. You know, what what if I were to stand up here one Sunday morning and try and convince you that David O'Gorman exists? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Why would I do that? You can see me. You know, God doesn't try and convince us that that he exists because the evidence of his existence is everywhere. You know, it's plastered all over creation that God exists. All right, now if this God exists, and he does, and if he created this world, and he did, then it's reasonable that he would want to communicate with us. He wouldn't just hide he would reveal himself in it. He would show himself to us in it. He does that in the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to man. Now, <clears throat> believer, you have to come to the place where you accept, listen, this is God's revelation to man. And if you've got doubts and queries in your mind, and, you've, and by the way, I'll tell you where the doubts and queries will come from. They won't come from the Word of God, because the Word of God builds faith. The Word of God builds faith. You read the Word of God, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Where your doubts and your queries will come from will be from reading other junk. Isn't the Internet a wonderful thing? Sometimes. You know what happens with the Internet? What happens with the Internet is everybody on the Internet is an expert. Do you know that? Do you know that Wikipedia is this fantastic dictionary that's written by people like you and me? Now, I don't know if I'd be, I'd be up for writing a dic- dictionary. But, you know, people like you and I put articles in Wikipedia and um, that becomes, you know, <clears throat> the truth. You know, <clears throat> listen, you type in your questions into Google and somebody like you answers. But you know what's hap- what happens with the Internet? And this, this, is really, this is very strange to our day and age. If, if, <clears throat> if I wanted to write a book, I'd have to go to a publisher and the publisher, publisher would say, who are you? Right? And I have to, I'd have to say, well, here I am. I'm a, I'm a pastor, there's, there's people that want to read it. And, and if I couldn't convince them, maybe would say, well, forget you. We're not, we'd, we'd never sell that book. We're not going to write that book. But do you know that a 15-year-old can get on the internet and put up an article? And they are an authority on it. And you don't even know what age they are. So what you've got is, you've got this vast information out there, and half of It's rubbish. And you really got to think like that. You got listen. Where is the information you're reading on the internet coming from? Who is it that put it up there? You know what? If you can't weigh it against what the Scripture says, don't read it. You've got to be able to take the information you're reading and look at it and weigh it against the Scripture, because the Scripture is the truth. But what we've got is we've got an information age. We've got so much information available to us that we don't know what to th- It's not helping our thinking at all. It's actually hindering our thinking because we're not thinking straight. We've got all this information coming in, all this information overtaking us. Listen, you read enough stuff on the Bible and you will find something on the internet to, count, to counter every doctrine in the scripture. Do you know that? Every doctrine in the scripture. It's amazing how much stuff you can download off the internet that, that, that's just all it's going to do is put you in a quagmire uh, of doubt and unbelief. Don't do it to yourself. If, if, if you want to know what God wants of you, read the Bible. You say, well, I've read that. Well, read it again. And read it again. And keep reading it. And it's always new, and it's always fresh, and it's always helpful. And you get to the place where you are familiar with Truth. The truth, by the way. Not a truth, the truth. You get familiar with the truth. And you know what? You'll read rubbish and you'll say, that's rubbish. But because we focus on the rubbish and don't read the truth, we end up getting hurt. Very often we end up getting hurt. Look, read the scripture. You know, when somebody comes to me for counseling, listen, invariably, one of the topics I'll hit in the first session is are you reading your Bible? You say, well, that's kind of mundane. Everybody reads their Bible. No, everybody doesn't read their Bible. <clears throat> but you know what? If you're not reading your Bible and effectively reading your Bible, how are you going to know truth? How are you going to guide your life? How are you going to direct your life? Reading your Bible is the key issue. It's the truth. <clears throat> we've got to accept that there's a the truth, and then, and then we've got to use it. But, but stop looking at the you You can be so harmed by the flood of information out that there that's coming from highly questionable sources. You've got to be careful what you're taking in as far as the Internet is concerned. Look, I'll tell you what would be, be, be good for you. You find yourself today and you don't know what to believe. Just stop reading all the rest of it and focus on the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what will happen? Your faith will grow. Your confidence in God will grow. Your trust in him will grow. And you know what the doubts and and and... and all of that will fade away and you'll learn to focus on truth. I Don't go elsewhere. I don't get it secondhand from somebody else's thinking like that. Go to the Bible. Don't take it from me. Check it in the Bible. It's got to be the Word. Check it out in the Word. If the Word says that it, it's true. And by the way, if the Word says that it, it's true and there's nobody anywhere in the world that can gainsay it, there's nobody that can say it's not true. Not you, not your feelings, not the majority, not the passion of somebody else. Listen, when the Word says it, it's the truth, you disobey it. That's the way to live successfully in this life. It's very simple, actually. I'm so thrilled that it's so simple. <clears throat> but we're the truth. Um, the Bible is God's true revelation. Man, Let me just give you some facts and figures here. How many of the Bible's 66 books books penned by 40 men over nearly 1,600 years, sets it above all books. How could 40 men get together over 1,600 years and write a book that actually agrees? And I know, listen, people will say, oh, there's all these contradictions in the Bible. I have never had somebody show me one of the contradictions. were, I have asked them. I've never had somebody show me the contradictions. You know what they were doing? They were taking somebody else's thinking and believing that there were all these contradictions in the Bible. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a challenge, right? You read the Bible through and find the contradictions in, me for, in it for me. And you know what? You won't be worrying about contradictions anymore. You'll be amazed at what's in this book. You'll be amazed at how true and how powerful it is. Uh, it's got harmony. It addresses otherwise unknowable topics including creation, heaven, hell, eternity, and God's plan and purpose for humanity. <clears throat> that marks it as Divine. It's giving you things we couldn't know. You know what? Listen, men couldn't think up those things. Those things are God's. Uh, its scientific and archaeological statements are accurate. You know, the Noah's flood explains why there's fossils on the tops of mountains very very effectively and very easily. It explains so much, you know, that science is struggling to try and explain. Maybe just accept the flood. You know, everything got rearranged. Everything got messed up, and all of it got changed. Listen, that's, that, that, that just explains it all. But science starts from the premise of, I don't want to believe that. So therefore, what else can I say happened to make it work? I don't want to believe in the creation. So how am I going to work it out, that man is here, if I don't believe in the creation? And that's always the way. It's always looking for something other than what the natural, normal, biblical truth is. And... <clears throat> Listen, <clears throat> the Bible answers the questions. Do they say there's three questions we want to, know, we, we want to answer. We want to know, <clears throat> where did I come from? Where did you come from? How are you going to know apart from the Bible? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my being on this planet? How many times do people ask that? How many times do young people take their lives because they think there's no purpose? What's the point? There's no point in me being here. What's the point? And so what they do is they, t- they take their own lives because there's no point anymore. And, and where am I going? The Bible answers that. It's either heaven or hell. You're here on this planet to serve God. Right? <clears throat> you come from God. You're going to God. <clears throat> Listen, God has a plan. God gives, lays it all out for us in the Bible. He gives us the most secure. Do you, do you know knowing those three facts is so helpful in life? Just knowing why I'm here. Just understanding why I'm here, and where I'm going. Listen, those things help so much with life and, and God gives you the answer. Fulfilled prophecy. Christ's birth, uh, the location. Uh, you know, we go through the Bible and we begin to look at the, at the proofs of the Bible and the prophecies that were made hundreds of years before and fulfilled in Christ. And that's just one of the areas uh, of prophecy. You know, listen, the Bible clearly has the stamp of the divine upon it? Do you know it's the bestseller of all time? There's never been a book that sold more copies than the Bible. Do you know it's the most hated book, and has been the most hated book that people have said, "Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of it, we'll deal with it." We'll, but you know what? The more they've tried to get rid of it, the more it's grown. And you're going to say, "Well, <clears throat> look, the, what, what about other books, other, other holy books? What about the Quran?" Listen, put the Quran side by side with the Bible; they don't compare. They just don't compare, you know you you can 't say, well, no, 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 they don 't compare you know put put the put put the Hindu books up, put any of the religious books you like up against the Bible they don't compare you know it just it's impossible what you 've got is in the Word of God is you 've got truth, truth that 's helpful, truth that takes your life and directs your life and shows you what to do now. <clears throat> If that's true, that we believe there's a God and he's a real himself in the Bible, then we have to evaluate things based upon that. We have to evaluate things spiritually based upon that. And you see, here's what we're saying to a generation that doesn't believe in absolutes, that this is absolute truth. This is the truth. They're fighting against absolutes. We've got to understand for ourselves, this is absolute truth. Now, based upon the absolute truth of the Bible, you can look at some things and you can say, well, are <clears throat> they right or they're wrong? You have to decide though, you can't fudge it. Right? You just can't fudge it. You, you know, you can't be in this place, well, everybody's got their own belief. It's okay. This is my belief. I stand on this. This is the truth. I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in the Bible. But everybody, you know, can believe what they want to believe in, and, and to that person it's true. Now, let me say this. We believe in soul liberty, uh, what soul liberty means is everybody has the right to believe what they want to believe. That's soul liberty. You know, if somebody wants to believe in paganism, that's fine. We're not going to, we're not going to make... It's wrong, though. It's not true. We're not saying it's true. Soul liberty doesn't, doesn't make error truth. Right? Soul liberty uh, gives somebody else... We're not going to force them to believe in a different way. Ireland's got a history. Um, the, the Reformation tried to turn our, uh, Irish Catholics into Protestants it didn't do go very well never does, you can't force people to change their beliefs but soul liberty in no way negates the absolute truth of scripture understand that, that truth is truth, right is right and wrong is wrong and you've got to come to that place you can't live in this quagmire of where everything has an element of truth in it and you know, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not going to judge anything Now, you've got to judge what's right and wrong against the Scripture. You've got to come to the place where you actually say, no, listen, according to the Scripture, that's right and that's wrong. Islam teaches that Allah is God, not Jehovah. It teaches that Jesus was just a prophet, not God in the flesh, and that Muhammad is the greatest prophet. It's wrong. And you say, how can you say that? Because the Bible says that Jesus was the Son of God. He was not a prophet. He was the Son of God. The Bible says it clearly. You know, uh, uh, the Bible doesn't mention Muhammad. Now you say, do you mean to say all those people are wrong? According to the Bible, yes. Now now listen, we're not going out on a vendetta uh, to prove them wrong. We want to see people save them. Wherever we meet somebody, we're going to declare the truth to them and try and see them come to the place where where they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because understand that every Muslim that dies without Jesus goes to hell. That's the truth. Now you say, that's, that's, a, that's a hard teaching. Now, <clears throat> listen, that's true. And by the way, as hard as it is sometimes to embrace the reality of truth, it's actually very freeing. Do you know the truth makes free? That when you get a hold of truth and when you bite the bullet on truth, that it actually helps you to understand where things are going and where you're going and what's going on and enables you then to help other people. Because you're not kind of wondering, well, <clears throat> is this right or is this wrong? Um, <clears throat> Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, etc., teach reincarnation. Now, listen, I think reincarnation is a lovely thought. You have the idea that you get to come back as many times as you need to to get it right, but it's not true. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And as comforting a thought as that is for people, it's just not true. Um, the New Age movement, teaches, and by the way, the New Age movement is hard to put a, get a handle on, because it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, one of those floating beliefs, and you know, it's kind of constantly changing. Some, somebody said it's like na- trying to nail jelly to a tree, you know, th- that it's very hard with the New Age, right? <clears throat> but the New Age says everything is God, human divinity. Now listen, I'm not God. Listen, I'm a human being, a created being. He's God. There's a difference between us. A vast difference. Made in his image I may be, but there's a vast difference between me and God. I'm not God. He's a separate being entirely. Uh, There's moral relativism. Do as you please. Uh, And by the way, understand and catch this thought and understand that all the false religions of the world have the same author. And that's why they intermesh and they intermingle so well. They've got the same author, they've got the same, the enemy of God, trying to put something together that's in opposition to God. I mean, he doesn't care what it is, as long as it's in opposition to God. Um, You need to evaluate the cult religions with the Bible. Uh, The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is only a God. There's no Trinity. Uh, That Jesus was God's first creation, that the Holy Spirit is only a force, that only 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses go to heaven. That's a pretty hard doctrine. They don't tell you that on your door. You know, and, you know, when you ask them, do they believe Jesus is God, they will fudge it. But when you press them hard enough, they will tell you, no, he's not. Now, listen, <clears throat> you can't line that up with the Scripture. One is right and one is wrong. Yeah, and you've got to come to a conclusion which is right and which is wrong. If the Scripture is our absolute truth, then what it's doing is it's saying, listen, Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. Now, what that does for me is that, that, that gives me a burden for Jehovah's Witnesses. Because these people, nice they may be, <clears throat> dedicated they may be, zealous they may be, but you know what? Their religion will take them to hell. <clears throat> Our Mormons teach baptism and obeying all the commandments are a necessary part of salvation. Anybody here that has obeyed all the commandments? Not a one of us. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. The Bible teaches by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. The Bible says, listen, we can't keep the law. We're not able to. Listen, it's impossible. Um, They baptize for the dead. They believe uh, the Bible to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly. Uh, The Book of Mormon is more correct than the Bible. You've got to choose. One is right and one is wrong. the Bible's right. Mormonism is wrong. Uh, Seven-day Adventists teach there's no literal eternal hellfire and the wicked are annihilated. Listen, I'd love to think that. But it's just not true. You know, the Bible says people are going to spend eternity in heaven or they're going to spend eternity in hell, one or the other. You know, and you've got to come to a place where you decide what's truth. Well, the Bible's truth. The Bible's truth, then Seventh-day Adventism is wrong. It's wrong. Um, <clears throat> we can go on and on looking at world religions, but, <clears throat> you know, the truth is, what you've got is you've got to look at the Word of God and you've got to decide what's truth and what's not. You need to evaluate Christian churches with the Bible. Do you know that you can have the Bible and not obey the Bible? Do you know that? you can? Because don't you do that sometimes? You know what's truth, but you don't obey it. So just because somebody has over their door Bible church doesn't necessarily mean. You've got to evaluate what that means. Uh, <clears throat> Do they believe the fundamentals of the faith uh, required for salvation? The Bible is the word of God. And if the Bible is the word of God, that's not just lip service. That's The Bible is the word of God, therefore we obey it. We follow through on it, we obey it. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is God. By the way, that's, that's, that's a defining doctrine. That really is a defining doctrine. You know, you ask the cults that one, you ask them to say that Jesus is fully God, and they'll choke. They can't say it. You realize that you know uh, that truth is so hard for somebody to 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 lay hold upon and to actually believe, apart from God. Now I realize some false religions do, but is Jesus really fully God? That's a great question. <clears throat> um, Jesus bled and died for our sins. He didn't live a good holy life for our sins. He bled and died for our sins. He paid the price on the cross. Jesus rose bodily from the grave. By the way, if Jesus didn't rise bodily from the grave, the Bible says that we have no faith and we have no belief. We have nothing. You see, the truth is, we're we're going to celebrate the resurrection Sunday next week. The, The truth is this. The truth is that Jesus paid the price for our sins and proved what he did by rising bodily from the grave on that Sunday morning and walking away from it. And, and that, 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 that is a truth that no other religion in the world dares to, <clears throat> to pick up on. You know, they don't claim it for Muhammad. They don't claim it for the Hindu gods. They don't claim it for anybody. But Jesus did it. Lived a full life in a human body. Died, was put in a tomb, and he walked out of it alive. Proving he was who he said he was. That was the purpose for it. Um, <clears throat> Do they clearly preach the gospel? <clears throat> do, you know, it's one thing for people to talk about uh, the Bible, but do they clearly preach the gospel? You're going to sit in a service. Do they actually preach the gospel? Do, 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 do they preach how pe- people can be saved? Do they, do they believe in an eternal hell, or do they just fudge that? Let's not mention hell. Hell is too hard a doctrine for people to take. Let's not mention Jesus mentioned it all the time. Jesus warned people against it all the time. Well, that was back in that day. No, 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 listen. Listen, Jesus was the most developed mind that's ever walked this planet. And he was dealing with quite a sophisticated people. In some ways, they were much more used to thinking than we are. They didn't have TV and all the other things that that just projected uh, on them. They had to actually think things through. And you know what? Jesus spoke to them about hell often. He laid it out for them. He said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it off. Pluck it out. Why? Because it's better for you to go into life blind or maimed than to go into hell's fire. Listen, that, that's, that's a, and Jesus was not saying, saying practice self-mutilation. What he was saying is hell is so bad, don't go there. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not born again, you will spend eternity either in heaven or hell. In order to go to hell, do nothing. Just do exactly what you've been doing all your life, and you'll go to hell automatically. It's, it, it's there. Every, every human being is born with a ticket to hell. Right? <clears throat> because we're all sinners. But Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You realize you're a sinner. You realize you can't pay the price yourself, and you cry out to him for the price he paid, and you say, Lord, forgive me my sin, and give me a home in heaven. And you know He will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a miracle. You don't deserve it. It's too simple. I Listen, I've heard it all, but you know what? It works. It's true. It's, and, and it works because the Bible says it does. <clears throat> That's the important part of it. The Bible says it does. Um, <clears throat> so evaluate Christian churches with the Bible. Then evaluate gospel-preaching churches with the Bible as well. Do they believe that Jesus Christ died for all and that God is not willing that any should perish? Do you know a lot of churches out there that don't believe it? A lot of churches out there that Jesus believed that Jesus only died for the elect. And they interpret it to be, in, to be this, that there are a lot of people out there he didn't die for and they can't get saved. <clears throat> I looked at a, uh, a video and the title of the video was, What Love Is This? If Jesus did not die for the sins of the whole world, do you mean to say he loved me and died for me and he didn't love my brother and didn't die for him? Listen, his love extended to all. All won't respond, but his love extended to all. That's important. That's really important. Uh, Do they practice a biblical baptism by immersion after salvation? Uh, uh, Do they take the word of God and live by the word of God and teach their people to live by the word of God? See, we're living in a day and age when... (coughs) Because there are no absolutes, everybody's doing what they want to do. And you've got lots of gospel-preaching churches out there that have taken in one with Let me give you one rule to apply as far as churches are concerned. And, you know, I kind of thought this through. If there's one thing that the Bible teaches us about a church, it teaches us that the church is about God, not about people. Listen, do people's needs get met in church? Of course they do but the church is about God. I will build my church. <clears throat> the church of the living God. Listen, when it comes to everything a church does, the primary focus is God, not people. Now listen, it may look very good. It may be very nice for people. But when a church switches that focus and makes the focus keeping the people happy. It's lost its purpose. It's lost its focus. It's lost what it was put here to to do and to be. And the the truth is, the church best best meets the needs of people when it decides, we're going to put God first. Whatever happens, you know, <clears throat> you know whether people are pleased or not, we're going to put God first. We're going to do what God wants us to do. You know what? That's when people's needs get met. That's when people get helped. When God has made the center of it. So when it comes to evaluating things, <clears throat> let's be discerning. Let's evaluate things according to what the scripture says. According to what the word of God says. Let's look at, and, and, and let's not just look at it and say, well, that's very nice. That's great truth. Truth if it's really truth, has to be applied. All the way. Every area of your life. You take and you apply truth. You read the Bible. The Bible says you're doing something wrong in a certain area. You know, don't try and change the Bible. Just do it. Just obey. And what you find is, you find the supernatural element kicks in and God begins to move in your life. You see, if we will take his truth and... Read his truth and, and <clears throat> grow in his truth and understand his truth. You know, we'll find ourselves blessed. L- let me say this to you. If You're here this morning and you're, you're, you've been saved for a long time, but you've not spent much time in the scripture. Listen, s- start reading it. You say, how much should I read it? Well, read through it at least once this year. You say, that's a lot. No, it's not. If you think of all the rest of the things you'll do in the year? But read, th- read it through from cover to cover. Catch all of it. Catch the drift of it. Catch the picture of God. Catch the heart of God. You're going to come across some things and you're going to say, is God really like that? Yeah. That's what he said. And what you've got to do is you've got to change your thinking on who God is to fit with what the Bible says God is. But you read it through and you discern it and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because he's the best interpreter of the scripture there ever was. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And you read the Bible, you let the Holy Spirit interpret, and then be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Be a doer. Actually take and do it. And you know, God's kind and helpful to us. You read through the Bible, there's a lot of things that, you know, won't make a whole lot of sense to you the first time, uh, but there's a lot of things that really will. And you know what? Supernaturally, the things that really make sense to you are the things God wants to deal with in your life. That's what He's doing. He's bringing to light the things he wants you to deal with. And you know, the next time you read through the Bible, you'll find <clears throat> a whole bunch of other things you didn't see the last time. You know, <clears throat> I still look at the Bible. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible at this stage of my life, a lot of times, right? But I still come to passages in the Bible and say, whoa, I never noticed that. I never, I never noticed the importance of that passage. And it's, here's what happens. As you read the Bible... And the Holy Spirit helps you interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets the Bible so that passages come to your mind and help you understand what's going on in it. And remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's all good for you. Every bit of it's good for you. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, it's all good for you. It's all helpful. But read it. You know, <clears throat> Become an expert in it. Come to the place in your life where it's your book, where you own it where the truth just courses in your veins, where you listen to it and you read it and you get excited about it and God speaks to you and God deals with you and and truth becomes your own. And you know what? You live like a prince in this world. You may not have the money of a prince, but you live like a prince of heaven. You live like God is real and his power is real and he's working in his world. And you'll be amazed at how effective at living you become when you just obey the scripture. And you know the joy of it? There's not a person in this room that can't do it. I don't know, but there might be a person in this room that said, well, I can't read. You know, I know a man, Dave Mulvane. He's a preacher today. He came to God, got saved, and he couldn't read. He learned to read, reading the King James Bible. He, listen, he learned to read, reading it. And he went on to go to Bible college, and he's a, he's a pastor in a large church now. Listen, it's amazing what God can do. You're here today, you can take this word and you can read this good word and you can honor God by reading his word. And you know what? Them that honor God, God will honor. And you become an expert in his truth. What's going to happen for you? Listen, there's loads of lies in our world. Loads of lies, loads of deception, loads of spiritual deception. Even in Christian churches, loads of deception. But you know what? You become, you become someone solidly grounded in the word. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will bring up a verse for you. Bring up a truth for you. We'll show you where something's wrong and protect you. You see, we live in a day and age that doesn't know what to believe and doesn't know what to think, but we do. Amen? You can take the Word of God and you can actually work out your thinking and you can think straight. Think like God thinks. And you can be helped and you can be blessed. But don't just read it. Put it into practice and see God do great things in your life. That's all. Stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessed word. Thank you for its power and for its truth. And, oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live in this dark place uh, without a light, Lord, that you've given us a light. Or we thank you for those dear souls through the ages that have given their lives that we might have the book we have before us today. And, oh, Lord, I pray that we would respect and honor it, and, Lord, that you would honor us as we honor it. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, would, would you do a work in our hearts, Lord? May the message not just be something that excites us, but Lord, may it be something that excites us to do. Lord, may you be glorified in the midst of your people by seeing us become a people who love your word and who walk in it and who know its power and its presence. Lord, may life get ever be a church, Lord, where your word is preached, read, understood, and applied. And oh Lord, may we go from strength to strength. And Lord, may we know error when we come across it. And may we be able to refute it and stand on the truth. And Lord, we thank and praise you and we give you the blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.